God bless you guys. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Swerve Church. So glad that you guys have joined us this here this morning. And I'm excited to be beginning this brand new series, John, John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, leave it open there. That's where we're going to be uh, today. Now, I love bread. How about you guys? Anybody here love bread? I'm a big fan of bread. I don't know about you guys, right? I love, I love me some bread. There's something about a warm, soft, chewy, fresh, baked Italian bread. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody amen that? This morning, right? You guys, I see that hand. I see that hand, all right? So, yeah, absolutely. There's something about that, right? Or what about the perfect toasted bagel with butter or cream cheese? Uh, what do you, you, who likes everything bagels? We, got, we have a little bit of everything. We got some uh, onion bagels back there, cinnamon raisin. Anybody like those, right? Something about that, right? And, and putting jelly, cream cheese, butter, whatever it is you like to put on it. Now, how about this? What about those salty, fresh baked breadsticks? You get with your order at Olive Garden. Who knows what I'm talking about, right? Right. I can eat like a dozen of those, right? I love those. Oh, and what about this? If you're not from New York, you may not be familiar with this. You need to give it a shot. How about these garlic knots at your favorite pizzeria, right? Let me get an order of garlic knots. You ever had sauce and cheese on top? You got to try that sometimes. I want to put sauce and cheese. It's so good. In fact, I'm getting hungry just talking about all this bread, right? I'm like salivating over here. You know, I went to Grover Cleveland High School. It's not too far uh, from here. And every morning I would walk to school. And on the way there, I would pass by Grimaldi's Bakery. Now, some of you don't know about Grimaldi's, but it was this old school Italian bakery. And they would bake fresh bread every day. And if you got uh, first thing in the morning, if you got there first thing in the morning, guess what? That bread was hot. Like you needed oven mitts like to hold it. That's how good it was. And every morning as I would walk to school from about two blocks away, sometimes two and a half blocks away, guess what I would smell? You would smell that bread. First thing in the morning, walk into school. It's like they're pumping that bread smell out in there to try to get you to come in. And it was so good. The wonderful smell of freshly baked bread. And the first thing at the morning at that, man, oh, geez, one, one sniff of that bread and your stomach would just begin to rumble immediately. And you had to go in there and buy it. Bread is everything, right? It's like, I mean, without bread, think about it. You don't have a sandwich. You, you just have deli meat and cheese. You, you don't have a sandwich. Without bread, you don't have a burger. You don't have a hot dog, right? Without bread, you don't have a grilled cheese. What's a grilled cheese without bread? It's, it's a mess. It's, like, it's, it's a mess is what it is. All right, you try it later when you go home. Put some cheese on a frying pan. Just make some mess. Right? But bread is life, isn't it? So today we're kicking off this new series. It's called I Am. And throughout this series, we're trying to answer the question, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? The single most controversial character in all of history. No name stirs up more controversy than the name of Jesus. And some people think Jesus was just a really, really good teacher. You know, he taught really profound spiritual and practical truths in a very compelling way. Jesus was a great teacher. Others say he was simply a prophet who came on behalf of God to call people to repent. Uh, still others think he was a, a miracle worker and he was, you know, just a charitable person. Jesus did a lot of good deeds. He was a good person. And somehow, you know, we don't understand. He was able to do the miraculous and help the blind see, etc. Now, some people would say Jesus was a phony. He was simply a person who made outrageous claims, but at the end of the day, Jesus was actually a fake. Some would call him a crazy person, 
After all, he, this crazy guy claimed to be God and to take away the sins of the world. Obviously, Jesus had a screw loose, right? Now, for this series, we want to examine what Jesus said to describe himself because people have opinions of Jesus. We want to hear what he said about himself. We want to look at the very words of Jesus to see who he said he was. And so to do this, we're going to look at the I am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. Now, the Gospel of John is the fourth of the four Gospels. It was written by John, who was one of the dear, close friends of Jesus. And in the Gospel of John, we find seven of these I am statements. But for this series, we're only going to look at four. And so before we look at this week's I am statement of Jesus, which is found in John chapter 6, I want to give you guys some context of what's happening in this chapter. Now, listen to this. In chapter 6 of John, we read about one of Jesus' most famous miracles of all time. I want you to picture this, okay? Jesus' ministry is booming, right? Like, it's taking off, right? He's on TBN. They're inviting him, you know, to go everywhere and preach everywhere, right? The sick are being healed. The blind see. The mute speak. The lame walk. And so, as you can imagine, Jesus' name begins to spread. And so, we read that Jesus is spending some time with his disciples. I would imagine maybe he's sitting on some grass somewhere. He's just investing in some time with his boys, hanging out with them, and and just trying to really disciple them. And all of a sudden, this sea of people start marching towards Jesus. This sea of people just start marching towards him. And these were all people that heard about Jesus. They heard about his healing ministry. And now they wanted to be ministered to somehow. And so Jesus sees all these people and he thinks to himself, man, that's a lot of people. They must be pretty hungry. This is what Jesus is thinking. And so he looks at one of his disciples. His name is Philip. And he says, Philip. Bro, what do you think? How can we feed all these people? These are a ton of people. And so the disciples begin to talk amongst themselves. And they say, well, Jesus, we ain't got no money. You know, how? we can't afford to pay everybody. And all we found was this guy. And this guy has uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. So then Jesus instructs his disciples to have everybody sit down. And they all begin to sit down and spread out. The Bible says that there were 5,000 men which doesn't count for the women and children. Some scholars believe if you were to count the women and children present, that potentially there could have been 15,000 people hungry. 15,000 hungry people there, if you can imagine. Jesus takes this man's lunch, right? And he, he prays a prayer of thanksgiving. And then somehow, miraculously, supernaturally, the disciples begin to distribute bread and to feed the whole crowd. In fact, in John, we read that they actually picked up 12 basketfuls of leftover. Now, Jesus fed the, fed the crowd, they ate, they went home full. The next day, Jesus crosses over the other side of the lake, and the crowds, they all go to try to find him. And you see, there's a funny thing about food and eating. For some reason, after you eat, I don't understand this, but about four to six hours later, guess what? You're hungry again, right? You're hungry again after you eat for some reason. So here's what happens. They're all looking for Jesus because they're hungry. And Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach the people something important, not about their physical hunger, but rather about their spiritual hunger. You see, Jesus met the need of the people that day, and he miraculously fed somewhere around 15,000 people. But there was a greater need than the rumbling of their tummies that day. And the fact is that this is true for all of us. In fact, if you're taking notes, number one in your notes is this. That is that everyone is hungry for something. Everyone is hungry for something. 
Everyone goes through life hungering for something. Some hunger for success, whether that would be in their careers or in education or in athletics. You know, some would sell their soul in order to climb the corporate ladder or to achieve the greatest amounts of success in their entrepreneurial efforts. Others go around hungering for relationship and hungering for love. They're always looking for love in what seems to be in all the wrong places. Right? There's a hunger to love and to be loved. Unfortunately, a lot of times it just ends up in heartbreak or breakups or compromising purity. Some are hungry for fun and adventure. They always want to have fun. They're the thrill seekers, always looking for the next adventure or the next rush to satisfy their hunger. But guess what? Once the adventure is over, once the partying is done, once the laughters fade, there's only a need for more. It's like the hunger for action and adventure is never fully satisfied. You know, still others hunger for meaning and purpose. And in the pursuit of satisfying that hunger, sometimes the conclusion that's drawn is maybe there is no meaning. Maybe there is no purpose. And if that's the case, then why not live for the moments where you experience the greatest ecstasy? Because after all, there's just no meaning. So you smoke it, sniff it, stick it, drink it, sleep with it, right? Because after all, life is meaningless anyway, right? Then you might as well live for the moments that take your breath away, even if it's temporarily, or for some people, even if it's permanently. You know, uh, we all hunger for something. And many of you go through life aimlessly trying to fulfill that hunger. I'm talking about Christians and not. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ or whether you, you've gone to church all your life, you can be a church-going Christian that is wrongly pursuing something that will never satisfy you. What are you hungry for? What are you craving? What have you been pursuing? What are you seeking? How's it working out for you? What are those things? What are those ideas? What are those people you've been seeking after to try to satisfy that hunger? What always happens when you do pursue these various things, when you try to satisfy that hunger, you always end up hungry. Or you always end up hungry again. You're just like the 15,000 people that Jesus fed. They ate. They enjoyed a great meal. Their bellies were full for a little while, but guess what? They were hungry once again. And ultimately, the hunger for more food wasn't their greatest hunger. And the reason we attempt to fulfill our cravings and still remain hungry is because we're trying to fill a God-shaped void with things that simply don't measure up. No matter how hard we try, we will continue to remain empty because success, happiness, love, or whatever will never satisfy the greatest need and the greatest hunger that we have. And the only one that can satisfy that hunger is Jesus. That's number two in your notes, that Jesus is the bread of life that satisfies our spiritual hunger. Jesus is the bread of life that satisfies our spiritual hunger. Let's read verse 35 of John chapter 6 again. These are Jesus' words. If you have a red letter Bible, this would be in red. It says this, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Now, guys, this statement that Jesus is making is phenomenal. I don't know if you caught it. It's an amazing statement. And it's also bold. It's very direct. And in Jesus' statement, guys, listen, it's either right or wrong. Right? There's no in-between. 
There's no gray area in Jesus' statement. Jesus says that he is the bread of life. And when we really enjoy something, right? If you, have you ever used this phrase? You ever, if you ever really enjoy something, you say it's life, right? For example, if you really like pizza, you say what? You say pizza is life. Or if you really like lasagna, you say what? You say lasagna is life. For me, growing up, ball is life, right? Because everything was basketball. We lived and breathed basketball. Ball is life. And one of the single most important connections to life is bread. Like we mentioned, we all eat it. We all enjoy it. We all have it in every meal. In fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, he said, give us this day our daily what? Our daily bread. When we read in the Old Testament about the Israelites wandering in the desert, God miraculously provided for them with what? With bread from heaven, with manna, right? With bread from heaven to feed them. And you see, guys, in this statement, Jesus is saying, that if bread is life, that's who I am. I am life. Guys, Jesus is life. He is everything. He is the one that gives you meaning. Jesus is the one that gives you purpose. He is the missing ingredient that will ultimately satisfy your hunger and your cravings. If you've been aimlessly wandering through life, trying to figure out, what is my purpose, God? What is my, what is my meaning? And you sought it out, trying to, you know, attempting to grab a hold of whatever you're currently craving. Chances are you're still remaining, even if you grab what you set out to get. And the reason you feel that way is because there's a void in you that is a God-shaped size. And that nothing that you can have or own or love or experience, this side of heaven can fill it. Whatever hunger you're facing, whatever craving you have, it's merely a shadow of what can only truly satisfy you, which is Jesus. Guys, how, how often do we hear about someone who's achieved all the success this world could offer? How often do we hear about somebody who had fame, riches, luxury, and power? But even then, after achieving those things, and if we're honest with ourselves, those are some of the things that we want so often, right? That we thirst after, that we hunger after. But after they achieved those things, guess what? They still felt empty. Their lives felt meaningless. And for many, they have unfortunately decided to take the fate of their lives into their own hands and exit earth early. You know, guys, this week was the anniversary of the passing of Kurt Cobain. Uh, a lot of you guys are way too young to like know who that is, but he was the lead singer and guitarist for the band Nirvana. This guy had all the popularity. He had all the fame that one could ever aspire for this side of heaven. He was married to a, uh, an actress. He had a, a beautiful daughter. And from the outside looking in, it looked like he had everything all together. He had everything that so many people desire. But on April 8, 1994, his body was found with a self-inflicted shotgun wound. And next to him was a suicide letter. where He writes, uh, he mentions how he grew numb to the success. He grew numb to the clamors of the crowd. He grew numb to the money and the riches. He had been hungering for something, but he couldn't quite put his finger on it, and it cost him his life. Jesus, in this passage, he's saying, I know that you're craving for something. I know that you're hungry, and you're trying to satisfy that hunger with sex. You're trying to satisfy that hunger with drugs, with partying. You're trying to satisfy that with success and finances and riches you're trying to satisfy that hunger with relationships and friendships or your profession or education 
Or you're trying to satisfy that hunger with religion. But none of that's going to satisfy your hunger. Because I am the bread of life, Jesus says. And you see, the way God sent manna from heaven to help satisfy the hunger, the physical hunger of the Israelites in the wilderness, he sends Jesus from heaven to enter our barrenness and satisfy our spiritual hunger. The Israelites were lost in the desert, and we are lost in our sin. Our sin separates us from God and pushes us away from Him. Our sin is what calls out to us to pursue all of those other cravings and hungerings that we have. And our sin not only weakens us, but destroys us and leaves us helpless and hopeless. And that is until the bread of life enters the picture. And Jesus lives the perfect life, the perfect and sinless life that we could not live. And he takes upon his back the punishment that you and I deserve because of our sin. And he's nailed to a wooden cross. And he endures one of the harshest punishments and executions ever known to man. And ultimately, he dies. And in his death, he satisfies God's wrath on our behalf. But by the Holy Spirit, Jesus conquers death and rises from the grave. And in Jesus, we have the satisfaction of our sin that paid and newness of life in him. Guys, Jesus is the bread of life. And he satisfies that hunger deep within your soul, that craving that you feel deep down inside, that you try to fill that void with other things and it always remains empty. Jesus gives you purpose. Jesus gives you love. Jesus gives you forgiveness. And all you have to do to receive that bread of life is number three, believe in Jesus. To believe in Jesus. He says it right there in, this, in, the, in today's verse 635. Why don't you guys read this verse out loud with me? It's in your notes and on the screen. Ready, go. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Did you guys catch that? Underline the last part right there in your notes. Who believes in me. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. That's it. It's really that simple. Believe in Jesus. Believe that he's the bread of life. And if you do, you will never hunger. You will never thirst again. Because ultimately your greatest need and your spiritual need is to be satisfied. It will be satisfied in Jesus. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we acknowledge that. You know, we all go through life hungering after something. We all have these cravings to pursue something. And we realize that in pursuit of all these cravings, uh, God, we always end up empty. We always fall short. And that's because ultimately, Lord, you are the bread of life. You are the one that satisfies. You ultimately give purpose. You ultimately give meaning. Forgive us, God, when we've pursued other things instead of you. We put our faith and trust in you to sustain us, to forgive us of our sin, to grant us new life, and to make us whole. God, I pray for those that are still on the edge of their faith. I pray, God, that you would help them to see you as the bread of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.